This evening to uh, continue with the I Like Giving series, uh, which I'm thoroughly enjoying. Um, I think it's an awesome topic to actually be talking about. And it's, giving is something uh, which in some churches they, they tend to shy away from talking about uh, because they feel a little embarrassed maybe about uh, talking and asking uh, the people in their church to actually give. Um, but it's something we're very proud to speak about here. And, you know, we consider it to be our duty to talk about. Why? Well, it's because it's part of God's Word. It's something which God Uh, expects us to do, he asks us to do, and it's something which is very, very important to us individually uh, and in our walk with Christ. Uh, It's very, uh, you can't detach being a Christian and being a giver. It's impossible to do. So giving is a topic which is very, very important that we talk about. It's very important that we teach about what the Lord actually has to say about it and what the Word has to say about it, because again, you're going to get conflicting and different input as to what giving is all about and what the requirements are and so on and so forth. And you know, requirement is a very strict word. It's a very strange word, uh, and it implies that you have to do something begrudgingly. You know, you're required to do this. The bottom line is this. You have free will. You have uh, freedom of choice, and God loves you enough to give you that. So with all the information that we give to you regarding giving, ultimately it's your choice. We are not going to you know, uh, bludgeon you over the head. Uh, we don't play the name and shame game. If there's any of you here that don't give regularly, uh, we will treat you exactly the same. We will love you exactly the same because you deserve to be treated and loved exactly the same. It's your choice as to whether or not uh, you actually give. Uh, so it's not something that we're going to force you to do. But as I said, it's very important that we actually teach you the truth about it. Okay, so before we dive into the Word, uh, let's just open up with prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we love you so much. We just thank you for all things, Lord God. I just thank you for this wonderful church. I thank you for our awesome pastor, Father God, and his family, and I pray blessings upon them right here and right now, Lord God. I pray that you would just give me the words to speak this evening, the Spirit to speak it through, Father God, and I pray that somebody here, Lord, would just have their heart touched their lives changed, Father God, and we will give you, as always, all praise and all glory in Jesus' name. And everybody in the house said, Amen. Okay, so uh, we're going to be looking, as I said tonight, it's the next part of I Like Giving. Uh, it's been an awesome series so far. We kicked off at the very beginning with the conclusion, which I thought was genius. Um, okay, so it's never been seen before, uh, in this church at least. Um, Pastor Philip actually started this sermon series with the last message of the series, the conclusion. Uh, and it was a, it's a great idea. And the idea behind that was that he was actually putting across to us 
in that message, uh, the end result, what it is that we should be striving for, what it is that we should be aiming for, uh, the kind of person that we should be as regards our giving. Uh, and he gave in detail all of the things that, as I said, are asked of us, expected of us from the Word. So he did an awesome job summing that up. So that's what we're all aiming towards. And the idea behind putting the conclusion first is to show us where the end result needs to be from the rest of the series. So hopefully the teachings that you'll pick up for the rest of the series uh, will uh, have us each and every one of us arrive in that particular place where we need to be in that conclusion. Okay, we've heard next about it's a heart and not a money thing. And the fact that our choices that we make uh, in everything, but particularly in our giving, it's not about money, it's about the state of our heart, okay? And God looks at our heart and he looks at the motivation uh, that we have when we give or when we don't give, all right? And we should be strive to have a good heart, we should be striving to have a generous heart, and we need to understand that living a generous life is way more valuable than the money that we sometimes want to hold on to. All right, then we heard about a two-way test, the thought that God asks us to test him. Okay? Uh, we'll be touching on this scripture very shortly, but uh, in Malachi, he actually speaks about this and says, you know, test me in this. So it is a test that God uh, invites us to, okay? and, uh, but it comes down to it being a two-way test. It's a two-way test. We're asked to test him, but tithes, uh, offerings, giving in general is also a test very much for us. Okay? God wants to test, um, he wants us to test him, but he also wants to test us uh, to test our obedience, okay, in the area of giving. And Pastor Philip told us that tithing is a test and that we're not to be distracted by the problem. So don't look at it as a problem, but look at the answer. We need to focus on the answer. In other words, you know, with the results and the rewards of actually giving and tithing. So we need to be making sure that with all that we have, we pass the test, Okay, God's putting us to the test, and we need to be making sure that we pass the test consistently. Okay, so tonight's message is called God is a Rewarder. God is a Rewarder. And what we're going to be looking at tonight uh, is what God wants to do for us. God wants to do for us uh, several different things. And we're going to go through this, and we're going to look at who God is in this regard, okay, and what it is that we should do in return. What it is that we should do in return. Now, note what I said there. I said, you know, all the things that God does for us and what we should do in return. I didn't say what God does for us and expects us to do in return. I'm talking about what God does for us and what we should do in return, okay? So what we're looking at here is we should want to do these things as a result of who God is of who God is and what it is that God does for us in our lives. Okay, so let's start by looking at our theme scripture for, scripture for this series, which is Malachi 3, verse 10. Okay, reads this way, uh, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Now, this is a very, very powerful scripture, and it's a powerful scripture because it's the only place in the Bible where God asks us to test him, okay? He asks us to test him in this particular area, I believe, because he knows that the area of money is something that we can struggle with if we're not careful. He knows that we all have a tendency to be selfish, He knows that we have a tendency to hold on to what it is that we have. And because of this, we can sometimes want to hold on to what what is actually his. Okay, he is testing us and he's saying, come on, test me. He's saying that he wants to bless us. Okay, God wants to bless us. He wants to reward us. 
What God is saying to us in this scripture, he's saying this. He's saying, go on, trust me. Trust me enough to test me. I'm telling you, pay your tithes and I will reward you. Pay your tithes and I will bless you. Do as I ask and I will bless you. But he's saying, test me. He's saying, look, if, trust me enough. I know it's going to be hard for you sometimes, he's saying. I understand that this is against your selfish nature. I understand. It's against what it is that you feel that you want to do. But trust me, do this and I will reward you. Okay, so let me say here, we should not be motivated at all but to do something because of the reward that we're expecting. We should not be reward-focused. We should not say, okay, God, if you're telling me and promising me that if I do this, I'm going to be rewarded, then I'll do it just for the reward. That's not what we should be looking at, and we shouldn't ever be motivated by the reward. The reward itself should not be the reason that we do the things and for the choices that we make. Okay? We should always look to do the right thing because it is the right thing. And that's in every area of our lives. That includes our finances, includes our resources, it includes our time and our talents. But we absolutely should embrace the fact that we serve a God that is generous, a God that wants to bless us, and a God that wants to reward us for doing what we should. We should embrace that. We shouldn't chase the reward. We shouldn't do what it is that we do because of the reward. But we should go ahead and do it because it's the right thing to do, knowing acknowledging and embracing the fact that by doing that, God is happy and willing and desiring to bless us. So we need to not just accept that our God is a giving God, that he is a blessing God. We shouldn't just accept that. We should be excited about it. We should be thankful for it, that that's the God that we serve. We serve a giving God, a generous God, a God that desires to bless us and desires to reward us. Okay, So we should not be embarrassed about God blessing us, or that we have God's favor in our lives. We should not be embarrassed by that. We should claim it. We should be excited about it. We should be thankful for it. Why? Because every time we do that, we are giving glory to God. For who it is that he is, we are giving glory to him. So let me ask you a question, okay? Do you believe that God wants to harm you? Do you believe that God wants to curse you? Okay, do you believe that he wants to just treat you really badly? Okay, now there's probably not many of you here that believe those things. You probably believe that he does not want to do those things. But most Christians actually find it hard to believe that God wants to do the opposite. Most people believe that God, uh, or find it hard to believe that God would want to bless them that God wants to give to you, that God wants to reward you, that God wants to make your life good, that God wants to actually do good things in your life. A lot of Christians find that hard to believe. The very same Christians, as I said, find it that difficult on the one hand to believe that God would curse them and treat them badly, but also find it just as difficult to believe that God will do good things for you. So it makes me ask, what is it that you're expecting God to do for you? If it, Nothing. You're completely passive in that position. You don't believe he will do something good for you, and you, won't be, and you believe that he won't do anything bad for you. But here's the rub on this one. Most people believe, if you were to ask them, that God will do great things for other people. Most of us believe that God will do great things for someone else, but he won't do great things for me. Because I don't deserve great things. Because I don't deserve to be blessed or to be rewarded. 
And that's not the truth. So I want to first hit home, okay? God wants you to be blessed. That's what I want you to, to really take on board tonight. God wants you to be blessed. And we're going to look at why he wants you to be blessed. But before I do that, I want to hit home, as I said, how important it is that we believe and that we get excited about the fact that our God is a rewarder. Okay, so let's look at this scripture, Hebrews 11.6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Okay? So you may have heard the first part of this scripture before. Uh, it's used sometimes to make the point that we have to have faith in God to please him. And that's the truth. We have to have faith in God to please him. But just the first line of the scripture is not enough because it doesn't tell the full story. I said uh, last week, and I'll say uh, this again, you have to take a text in scripture in its full context. If you take a text out of context, what you're left with is a con. You need to look at the whole scripture, the whole verse, and actually look at it from that point of view. So let's look at this whole scripture. Yes, you need to have faith in the Lord. Okay, it's that Without that faith, it is impossible to please him. But that's not the whole story. Because it actually describes the faith that you need to have. It tells us the type of faith that pleases the Lord. And it's the belief that he exists and... That uh, also the faith that believes he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So in other words, the faith that pleases God is more than just faith that God is, that God exists. It's also the faith that believes who he is as a rewarder. Does that make sense? So it's not just faith in the belief that he is, that he exists. It's also who he is as a rewarder. Okay, the two go hand in hand. Okay, so in the first verse of the same chapter in Hebrews, we're told this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And this is key, and this is very important. The two scriptures, there are a few verses apart in this chapter, but in some ways they're tied together. Okay, You need to take this on board. What this is saying to us is the faith that we need to have is a faith that believes that he is and that he exists, but also that he is a rewarder for all those who diligently seek him. But on the flip side to that, we also need to know that faith... It's a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In other words, when things are not going well, when things are not all rosy in our lives, when we're not feeling particularly blessed, we don't want to be thinking at that point in time, you know, well, God has left me out of the equation. God has left me. God is not there and God will not bless me. Because that kind of faith is not faith. Because we've already established that the faith that we need is the faith that says, you know, God is a rewarder. Amen? So you can't believe that God is not going to actually uh, do anything for you and have faith in God. Does that make sense logically? We have, if we're going to believe in the Lord, we're going to have faith in the Lord, we have to believe that he is going to be a rewarder. So even when our circumstances are dark, even when things are not going for, right for us right now, we have to understand that if we are diligently seeking him, then the good times are going to come. We have to believe that God is going to reward us for being faithful and for being diligent in seeking him. Okay? Our faith needs to be, yes, I believe that God is, I believe God exists, but I know that he is a rewarder. So let's go back to Hebrews 11.6. But without faith it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What does that mean? It means that he's a rewarder of those that seek him, a rewarder of those that seek his will, and a rewarder of those that seek his ways. 
Okay, I'm going to say with honesty that I diligently seek God. Okay, if I'm going to say that I honestly and diligently seek God, then I'm going to have to be able to say that I seek his will for my life and I seek his ways in my life. Agreed? If I'm going to say with honesty that I seek his will in my life and I seek his ways in my life, then I'm going to have to be able to say that I'm doing my best to be obedient to him. Agreed? And if I'm going to say with honesty that I'm doing the best to be obedient to him, then I'm going to have to be able to say that I'm doing what it is that God is asking of me. Agreed? Now, we should not do something because we want to be rewarded. We have established that already, but we also can't expect to be rewarded for something that we are not doing. Okay? If I can not turn up for work for only so many days before I stop getting paid. Yeah? I don't know what your job's like, and I work for the best boss in the world. Okay, but I can assure you, he's not that good that he's going to pay me if I don't turn up for work for a long period of time. Okay, so I can't expect to be rewarded for something that it is that I'm not doing. Okay, so again, we should not be doing what we're supposed to just because we're supposed to. Okay, we're supposed to be doing it, as I said, because it's the right thing to do. What we're asked by God to do, okay, we shouldn't be doing just to get the rewards afterwards. But we can absolutely be glad and secure in the knowledge that when we do what is asked of us, when we do what the right thing is, when we are diligently seeking him and being obedient, we will be rewarded. Okay? And one of the biggest limiting factors to God's blessings in our lives is our lack of faith and belief in this area. And that's why I'm spending so much time dwelling on this point. Very often we can accept the fact that God is a generous God. Okay, as I've said before, we can accept that he will be generous to other people. And we can even understand why God may bless some people. You know, we see other people being blessed sometimes and say, oh, well, that, I understand that. It's obvious that they were going to be blessed because. Okay, and you fill the gap, whatever the reason might be. But we do find it hard to believe that God desires to bless us. All right, we may not believe that God will bless us. We may not believe that God can bless us, okay, because of the fact that we feel undeserving and unworthy. And there are many Christians that don't believe that God can love them, let alone bless their lives with what they may desire. Now, if that's you tonight, if you feel unworthy of God's love or you feel unworthy of God's blessings, you feel that God cannot possibly bless you for who it is that you are, I'm here to tell you that God wants to bless you because of who he is, not because of who you are, okay? He wants to bless you because of who he is, not because of who you are. So it's not about how good you've been. It's not about how bad you haven't been. It's not about your past. It's not about how righteous and holy you may or may not be. It's about how generous and good our God is. And it's not about the fact that you're a sinner. It's not about the fact that you are doing good works. You have to understand that God wants to bless you. You have to understand that God wants to bless you. Now, we all have to get good at good. Get good at good. I read this recently in a book uh, that we're reading, and it's a book um, by Pastor Steve Kelly. Good at good. And what he's talking about here is not being good uh, at being good. Okay? He's not talking about getting good at being good. What he's talking about is getting good at accepting good, at receiving good, at expecting good, and embracing good. In other words, expecting that God 
will provide, expecting that God will bless us, expecting that God will reward us. We have to get good at expecting good. We can never be all that we are supposed to be or do all that we are supposed to do until we get good at good. When we fully understand our purpose in life and realize that we weren't saved just to be saved. We weren't saved just to be saved. Yes, God wanted us as an individual to be saved. He wanted me to be saved. He wanted me to be uh, in the book of life. He wanted me uh, to get, get eternal life, to know Jesus and to go to heaven. He wants nobody to perish. He wants each and every person here to be saved and to know the Lord. But he doesn't save you or want you to be saved just so that it stops there. Just so that he can say, you know, that Peter's saved, that Jeremy is saved. He doesn't want to just say, you're saved, period. What he wants us to do is to be saved so that we can lead other people to be saved. That's what he wants us to be saved for. Likewise, we should be good at good. We should be fully accepting of the fact that God wants to bless us because God wants to bless us. But God doesn't want to bless Pete because he wants to bless Pete. He wants to bless Pete so that Pete can bless other people. That's why we're being blessed. So the blessings that come into our lives are exactly the same thing as being saved in the first place. It's not about you. It's really not about you. Which is why God wants to bless you, whoever it is that you are. Whatever it is that you've done, it's not about who you are. I've said it already. It's about who he is. But he wants to bless you in order that you can bless other people. We do not deserve to be blessed. Not one of us here deserves to be blessed. But he'll bless us, not for the sake of us being blessed, but so that we can bless others. Okay, So we are blessed to bless other people. And I'm saying it over and over to drum it home. This is why we should not be embarrassed about being blessed by the Lord. This is why we should not be quiet about it. We should not dodge it. We should not be ashamed of it. We should not worry about whether or not we qualify for it. The fact of the matter is that we are not being blessed for our sakes. We are being blessed for the sake of other people. Look what God told Abram at the start of Genesis, okay? Um, Chapter 12. All right, verse 2, he says this, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. God wanted to bless Abram so that he could be a blessing to other people. That's the reason he blessed Abram, so he could be a blessing to other people. So let me tell you what God wants to bless you and me for today. He wants to bless you and me for today so that we can be used by him to bless other people, and so that we can give God the glory. God wants to bless us abundantly so that we can be conduits of his blessing. What's a conduit? It's something that something passes through. He wants to to bless you, not to get it to you. He wants to get it through you. And it's a a line which is used a lot from behind the pulpit, and we can dismiss it and think of it as just a cliche. But that's the absolute fact. Okay, If God can get something through you, he will get it to you. And the more that he can get through you, the more he will get to you. Okay, And that's literally the way that it works with his blessings. He wants us to have more than enough so that we do good with the overflow. Okay, Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Doug uh, mentioned this scripture as well, talking about tithes and offerings, okay, which obviously ties into very, very closely. But the key to this is an abundance for every good work, an 
abundance. That means that we will have more than enough for any good works that we might actually do. More than enough. And what do we do with the overflow? We bless somebody else. It enables us to do what God has called us to do. He is able to make that happen. He wants to make that happen. He wants to provide us with an abundance, not just for our benefit, but so that we can be a benefit and touch other people's lives. But he needs to be able to do it and trust that we will do the right thing with it. Okay? God wants to bless us so that we can bless others. So now let me tell you what God wants to reward you for. Okay? He wants to bless us so we can bless other people. Now let me tell you why God wants to reward you and what it is that God wants to reward you for. God wants to reward you for good stewardship. That's what he wants to reward you for, good stewardship. Okay? Being a good steward is all about honoring God. And being a good steward is about doing the right things with what it is that he has given to you. Let me show you the definition of being a steward. A steward is a person who manages another's property or financial affairs, one who administers anything as the agent of another or others. So being a steward means firstly realizing that what you have is not yours. By definition, you can't be a steward of something that you own. If you are the manager of a business, you are not the owner of the business. The manager of the business takes care of the business on behalf of the owner. We are stewards. We are stewards with everything that we have because we don't own it. It's all God's. And when we're good stewards of what God provides us with, it means that we are taking care of what is actually all his. Now, God will reward us if we are good stewards with what he provides us with. God wants to bless us if we use what we are blessed with to bless others. And God wants to give us much if we do what we should with a little. So he wants to do, give us much, but he won't give us much until he can trust us with a little. Jesus says this completely clearly in Luke chapter 16 in verse 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. The key word in this scripture is trust. God needs to be able to trust you. He needs to be able to trust that whatever he gets to you, he can get through you, as I said earlier on. He needs to know that you can steward a little. If you can look after a little, you can manage a little, because if you can do that with a little and be a good steward with a little, it means that you are a good steward, period. And if you're a good steward, period, it means that he can trust that you will do the right thing with much. If you do the right thing with little, he knows and trusts that you can do the same with a lot. So I want to take a few moments to look at what it means to be a good steward. Okay, it's okay to say, well, be a good steward, uh, but what does it actually look like on the day-to-day? All right, being a good steward requires discipline. It requires conscious decision-making. It often requires resisting temptation. It requires acting responsibly. Sometimes requires sacrifice. But more than all of those things, it requires full acceptance of the fact that it's not yours to do whatever you want with. That's where it begins. Full acceptance of the fact that it's not yours to do whatever you want with. God wants you to enjoy. God wants you to enjoy the blessings. God wants you to enjoy the good things in life. He doesn't want you to sacrifice. And again, the opposite teachings to this. You will hear crazy teachings out there that if you are wealthy, you can't possibly be a Christian. You know, if you have a good bank balance, you can't possibly be a Christian. And that's not biblical. 
It's not biblical. Those teachings that say to you, you have to be broke. You have to be a good Christian, you've got to be broke. Okay, that's not good, sound, biblical teaching. God wants you to enjoy it, but he wants you to keep it in perspective. He wants you to keep it in perspective. So once you accept that everything is God's, it makes you look at everything differently. It makes you first to look at what you have much more gratefully. Okay, if I know that what I have is not down to my own efforts, but down to God's blessings and his grace, it means that I will have an attitude of thankfulness and a gratitude for what he's done in my life. And that's, the, that's where we need to be coming from. You know, as Christians, that's where we need to be coming from. In my opinion, we should have, always have an attitude of gratitude for what it is that God has provided us with and God has blessed us with. And I'm not now talking just about the material things. I'm talking about the whole life that you are living right now. It's all down to God. You know, every, every single morning, and it's not about me, but I'm, I'm saying this to you, I, I need to do this for my benefit, for Pete's benefit. I need to make sure that I'm maintaining an attitude of gratitude. Every single day when I drop, pull out of my driveway and I pull away, I'm praying to the Lord before I do anything else, before I put any uh, music or sermons or anything on, I pray to the Lord. And I just say, Lord, thank you for my family. Thank you for the house that I'm leaving them behind in. Thank you for the car I'm driving away in. And thank you for the job I'm driving to. It's my prayer every single morning. And it gives me and sets my day up knowing straight off the bat that everything that I have is thanks to him. Okay? Everything I have. And that's really the attitude that the Lord is looking for us to maintain. We have to look at things with an attitude of gratitude because, as I said, everything we have comes from him. Now, there are some people that believe that they have worked hard for what they have. Okay? And that it's down to their own efforts and not God's. And that's an opinion that everyone's entitled to have. You know, if you believe that at this point, then that's fine. That's your opinion and you are completely entitled to it. I actually had this conversation a few years back with somebody that I worked with. Uh, This person came to me and approached me. And um, again, they knew I was was a Christian. They knew I was a churchgoer. And they came to me and and said, you know, they they had a big deal come together. A big deal uh, that they'd, they'd taken a long time uh, working through, so to speak. And it had come together successfully, and they were really excited to tell me that the deal had worked out, and they were expecting a really nice payday from the deal. So in my response, I just said, well, praise God, okay? Uh, and to which they said, oh, really? God? So you mean it had nothing to do with my persistence and talents? And so I said, well, you mean the persistence and talents that God gave you? Okay, now that's as I said, that's it's an attitude and it's an approach, and they're entitled to their opinion. I just personally believe that it's a completely wrong opinion uh, that they had, but they're putting it down. I'm not saying it doesn't take work and it doesn't take effort. We should take pride in what it is that we do. We should work hard on what it is that we do. But when the results come through at the end, you know, the first thing we should do is thank God and praise God because without Him, nothing good would happen in our lives, okay? So once you accept that everything is God's, as I said, it makes you more grateful. Secondly, it makes you treat things more responsibly, okay? I know that if I borrow something from you, I'm going to make sure that it comes back to you in the same condition that you loaned it to me in, or better, okay? If it's mine, I'm maybe not going to treat it quite so well, okay? If it's a, a car, I'm going to thrash the engine a little bit more if I own it, maybe, okay? But if we take the attitude that, you know, it's all God's, then straight off the bat, it, it makes you uh, treat things differently. I said to Miss Nancy this afternoon, I need to write a message every day. I need to write a message every day because every time I write a message, I get convicted. Because I'm writing this and I'm typing this and I'm thinking about all the junk that's on my back seat in my car right now. 
okay? And I need to, and I'll, and I'll be tidying it up when I get home, okay? Because I'm genuinely convicted, because I'm saying this from behind the pulpit here. My car uh, is, I mean, it's all bought and paid for, it's running nice and smooth, but I'm not looking after it quite as well, maybe, as I should be doing, okay? So there's my openness and transparency for you tonight. All right, so let's look at three areas uh, in our life where we can practice good stewardship. Three areas where we can practice good stewardship, all right? Firstly, the most obvious one is money, okay? So let's look at the verse that follows the last one that we looked at, and this is Luke 16, 11, okay? So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? This is straight on the back of he who can be trusted with little can be trusted with much, okay? So this scripture uh, is saying two things loud and clear okay if we can't be trusted by God with the money and the possessions that we are stewarding then we can't be trusted with true riches if we can't look after our worldly possessions and our worldly riches we can't look after the money that we have okay we cannot be given true riches all right the second thing we can see here is this worldly wealth is not true riches Okay? They're two separate things. If they were the same thing, they wouldn't be listed following each other with the word or in between. Okay? You, can't, you cannot. The worldly, worldly uh, riches are not true riches. Worldly wealth is not true riches. So there's a clear distinction between the two. If you can't be trusted with one, you can't be trusted with the other. And this is important because we always need to have the right perception about worldly wealth and realize that while money is important to our day-to-day living, I'm not saying everybody go and empty your bank balance and give it all away because that obviously is not what we're talking about here. What we are talking about is having the right perspective about it. Money is important for our day-to-day living, but it should not be what our day-to-day living is about. There's a huge difference between the two. We need it to function, but it shouldn't be the reason that we are functioning. We mustn't put more value on money than it should have. Money's a tool. It's not the be-all and it's not the end-all. Okay, so we need to be very careful about our perception and perspective about money. God's, God uses money as a test for us. He uses it as a test. If we cannot steward money well, we will miss out on opportunities that God wants to give us. So sometimes we get upset with God because he's not coming through for us financially. We might be praying a prayer every month for, for more financial blessings, for a pay rise. And, you know, we may get frustrated and angry sometimes that God doesn't come through for us. We say this even when we didn't uh, pray about it, maybe. Maybe we're not even praying, okay, but we still blame God and we still say to God, you know, well, what about that pay rise? I've been, I've been thinking about it. Uh, you know, maybe I've not prayed about it, but, you know, I, 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 where is it? Where is it, God? I'm, I'm still waiting for it, all right? I'm not trying to sound unkind or harsh, but we need to understand, you know, if we're struggling financially, you know, we can't be angry at God for some of the bills that he did not initiate or that he didn't agree with. Okay, so what is it I'm saying? I'm saying that we need to be praying about our finances. We need to be praying about making financial decisions. We need to be praying about what it is that we need to be spending our money on. We should be seeking God's counsel in that. And that shouldn't be a surprise because we're going to advise you to seek God's counsel in every area of your life. Why would we not be advising you to, to seek God's counsel in an area which has such a massive impact on your life as finances does? Okay? You need to be praying for about it and seeking counsel on it. Why? Because it then means that you are going to be spending money based on wisdom and not based on emotion. Okay? Far too often we spend, I'm including myself in this, you know, we spend money emotionally. We like the look of something. 
We think we need something, when really all we do is want something, okay? But we don't always seek God's counsel for it first. And the truth is that most stress, worry, and anxiety in our lives is caused by a failure to exercise good stewardship. Not always. Things happen. I'm not dismissing that. Things happen out of the blue. Sometimes you might lose a job completely out of surprise. You may have an injury that stops you from working. You may get robbed. Anything like that could happen to you. So I'm not saying to you, you know, if you're financially struggling right now, it's all your fault. What I'm saying is there's a potential and a possibility that if you're struggling financially right now, it's all your fault. Okay, that's what I'm saying to you. It's a possibility, and we need to look at it and be honest about it, okay? You might have the desire for something that you've seen and you really like the look of. It might be a new watch, it might be a pair of shoes, it might be a, a, a shiny new grill, it might be whatever it might be. But if you've got $500 left in your account and the payday isn't for 10 days, okay, and you've got, still got to get groceries, you've still got your insurance to pay, your electricity to purchase, you've got gas for your car, uh, wisdom, common sense and good stewardship will tell you that the grill has to wait. Okay, the grill has to wait. And the point is that God frequently, he gets blamed for our self-inflicted wounds. All right, researchers say this. The number one reason for divorce is communication. And the number one thing that is not communicated about in a marriage is money. Okay, so they've tied the two together. Okay, finances is an area in any relationship which can be a complete bombsite. Okay, minefield. Okay, is the word I meant to use there. A bombsite works, I guess, still quite dangerous. Not a place I would want to be anyway. All right, so money is the main source of conflict. Okay, let's put it that way. It's the main source of conflict in a marriage in any relationship. All right, and if we would practice the simple principles of good uh, stewardship, all right, we would save ourselves on a whole amount of stress, ulcers, uh, health problems, other things that are actually linked with financial stress. Okay, we would also be living a life that God would be more free in to be able to bless us. Okay, because it's all about these decisions, it's about this, this is all stewardship, this is all a test, and this is all that we're being looked upon, okay? All right, he who can be trusted with a little can be trusted with much, okay? So it's an approach, as I said, which is going to cause him to be able to bless us more with more, okay? So, finances, we're talking about finances, we're talking about stewardship. I can't possibly not talk about tithing. Okay, can't not talk about tithing. Our serious theme scripture from Malachi is very straightforward on this. We're going to show it again, Malachi 3.10. All right, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. You're going to hear that so much this month, you'll be able to read it back. You'll have it memorized, which is not a bad thing. Okay, so there is no question what it is that God is saying here, okay? God is saying here, he's talking about the tithe, which is 10%. One-tenth is the tithe. It's the dictionary definition of tenth, and that's what God was talking about, a tithe. All right, it's the 10% of your increase. In other words, 10% of your income. And it's the first 10% of your increase, the first 10% of your income. All right, so he's talking about there, bring all the tithes the first 10% of your income, into the storehouse. The storehouse is the church that you are part of. This church, this church is the storehouse. Now, we teach on tithes every week, not for the church's benefit, but for your benefit. And hopefully, through this series and through this message, you are going to start seeing that, that we're teaching you about giving for your benefit, 
Because giving is a key part, as I said, of your walk as a Christian. And you're hopefully coming to understand, if you didn't already, God wishes to bless you abundantly. And your tithes, as has been covered already by Pastor Phil, are a test. In Luke 12, Jesus says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Prepare yourselves, because I'm going to get a bit rough with you right now. Your treasure, your finances will follow your heart. Where your heart is, is where your money will flow. Okay, where your heart is, is where your money will flow. Where your desires are, is where your money will flow. The things that interest you, is where your money will flow. If your heart is with God and the church, that's where your tithe will go. If your heart is with God and the church, that's where your tithe will go. If you would say, my heart is in the kingdom of God, then your cancelled checks are going to prove that statement true or false. Now, that might sound harsh and brutal, but as Pastor Philip said last week, it's not a money thing, it's a heart thing. All we can do is give you the truth from God's word, and then it's entirely up to you what you do with the information. The choice is entirely yours, and I don't mean that aggressively. The choice is absolutely yours. God gave you that free will, and you can make the choice as to tithe or to not tithe. And I don't mean to cause you any offence or any upset, but, you know, I took the attitude with this message, it's really this. This is a really important topic. It's not complex. It's very simple and it's very straightforward. So there's no point in sugarcoating it, and I make no apology for it, because if we're going to teach it, we're going to teach it, okay? All right, so, as I said, I don't mean to cause you any offence or upset, and I'm certainly not condemning you, not in any way, shape, or form. If you're a non-tither, then I'm not condemning you. But I pray, if you are not a tither, that what I'm saying will convict you. And it will make you reevaluate things. It will just make you look at things maybe a little bit differently. And as I said, I'm not being harsh, and I don't want to sound brutal to you at all. But if you are thinking that what I've just said is harsh and brutal, the likelihood is you're not a tither. Okay? I'm not offended or upset by the truth that tithing is a test. I'm not upset by that one bit. I'm not upset either you know, that my bank account shows where my heart is. I'm excited about it. I'm excited that my bank account shows where my heart is. I'm excited of the fact that tithing is a test. Why? Because I'm passing the test. But that's me, and that's my choice, and that's entirely up to me, and it has nothing to do with you. Okay, so it's entirely your choice, as I said. Okay, so the second area of our lives that we need to be good stewards, our time. We need to be good stewards of our time. All right, why? Well, because again, we have been given a limited amount of it. We don't have an endless amount of time. All right, and we need to be making sure that we are spending it in the best way possible, just like our money. We need to be spending that in the best way. Our time, we need to be spending that in the best way as well. We need to be investing time in ourselves. Okay, it's an investment. We need to be reading, we need to be learning, we need to be listening, we need to be praying, we need to be exercising. We need to be strengthening ourselves physically, mentally, and spiritually. The more we invest into ourselves, the better equipped we will be to do the Lord's work. Okay, physically, mentally, spiritually, you know, you might think, well, what's that got to do with church? It's got everything to do with serving God. I want to be physically fit so that I can keep going longer than I should be able to keep going. Okay, I just had my birthday last week, 47 years old. It's amazing. 47, how many people have told me how old I am now. So I need to be exercising more. Okay? Or I need to be lengthening it out a little bit more okay? so that I can serve the Lord that, just that little bit longer. But beyond that, I need to be investing time into me spiritually and mentally also. I need to be keeping myself alert and I need to be keeping myself fed on the word. Okay? It's very, very important. We need to take time every single day to be in the word. Okay, 
Well, we have 1,440 minutes in a day. 1,440 minutes in every day. If you've attended the iConnect course, you know those numbers. 1,440 minutes in every day. I firmly believe there is not a single person in this room that can't take 10 of them to actually study the Word each and every day. Okay? Again, no judgment or condemnation. It's just advice to you. Again, which you can take or which you can leave. But it's our job here to guide you and to teach you, not just about what the Bible says. That's key. It's obviously key. But also in how, ways that you can apply it, ways that you can change your life. You know, if, if, I take the attitude with this. If you are taking the time to come here on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday evening, I understand you've all got busy schedules, you've got families, you've got things, other things that you could be doing. You know, our purpose here, what we always try and do, is to make the fact that you've come here to be worth your while. There's no point in you just turning up and saying you've attended church and gone away not changed. In my opinion, you know, we're not going to change you every single time, but at some point in time, some church service, some point in the year, you should be able to go away and say, you know what, if I apply that in my life, my life is going to improve. My relationship with God is going to improve. Okay, so where's I said saying, what I'm saying to you is 10 minutes a day. 10 minutes a day. It's good stewardship of your time. Okay, and I believe, as I said, every... Every day, part of it should be taken for the word. Okay, and these things, you know, the praying as well is very key. It's very vital that you do that every day. And these things are not habits that you should start and stop, start and stop. Okay, they should be lifestyle choices. What do I mean? You should make a decision once. You make a quality decision once. This is what I'm going to do. This is now who I am. This is what I do each and every day, okay? It should be a given. And I can tell you with absolute honesty that I have read the Word every single day since I was saved on on February 24th, 2008. Every single day since I was saved, I've read the Word. Now, it might have been one verse. It might just have been one verse. But I've read the Word every single day since I was saved. All right, and there's no reason I said why well, you can't do the same thing. All right, there's Bible apps now on your telephones. Everybody should have you version on your phone, completely free. It's an awesome Bible um, reading app. It's got everything that you could possibly want on there. It's got daily devotionals for every walk of life. It's fantastic. You version. If you don't have it on your phone, get it on your phone. Okay, because then you can even set that to actually send you a daily a daily scripture. Okay, for a certain time of the day, and you will get a daily scripture pop up on your phone. You've read it. You can put your phone down and say, there you go, Pete. I've done my reading for the day. Okay? All right, no reasons are said not to. Okay, so Bible apps, as I said, thankfulness, praise, and worship. These are all things that we should be taking part in on a day-to-day basis. Okay, so lastly, let's look at what we need to be good stewards in. We need to be good stewards with our talents. With our talents, we need to be good stewards as well. Okay, God gave you your talents to use for his glory. All right, we have a responsibility to serve. We have a responsibility to do good works. So let's look at this in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 2, uh, verse 10. All right, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Serving in this house, every member involved is something that we talk about often. We have needs in this house that you could meet with the talents that you have, that God gave to you. You have talents that God gave to you to be used, and we could use them in this house. You might not be able to use them in a ministry that exists already. You might have talents that would actually birth a new ministry in this church. Okay, That's what happens. You know, People actually birth them from talents, and they can't place them anywhere else. So new ministries are actually birthed and created as a result of that. I'm not making you any promises. Okay, I'm not saying that we're going to have a, uh, a golf ministry. 
okay, or whatever it might be, whatever your talents might be. But I am saying to you that come to us, approach us, bring your talents to us. There's a young lady who was in the um, iConnect course who's been to several different churches. Uh, she's now planted herself in this church, and she came to me straight after the iConnect class and said, you know what, I have this talent which I've thought about speaking about at other churches but never had the courage to do so. Can you use me? And I said, yes. Okay, and I'll put her in touch with the ministry leader. Now, I don't know how she can be used or when she will be used, but I can tell you she will be being used. And that talent, the God-given talent, is now actually going to be able to help her to flourish. Okay, and you can see the excitement on her face that she's going to get to use that for God's glory. Okay, so... EMI, every member involved. There's no reason at all, again, why this shouldn't just be, uh, rather than something that's just spoken about, it should actually be in existence in this church. I don't see any reason why every single person can't serve in some capacity at some point with some form of regularity. Okay, and again, I'm not forcing you. It's entirely up to you. It's entirely your choice. We need you in our church. We need you serving in our church. Will the church function and cope and, cope, uh, and get by without you? Absolutely. But it'll be a lot better with you. Okay, so we need you to be involved and to be a good steward with the talents that you have. Okay, so you can find out all about how to do that. Uh, you can speak to myself after the service, get in touch with me at pete at hflc.us or um, we'll put you in, co- in contact with Miss D who actually runs and oversees our Connect teams. Okay, um, so there's no reason to say, well, you can't get plugged in. All right, so stewardship. I would recommend that you take a look at your life, that you take a look at your life, not with a critical eye, but just with an objective eye, okay? And that's something I recommend that that you do. It's something that I do on a regular basis. I try and step back and look at my life as objectively as I can do. And by that, what I mean is is the things that I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. Are the things that I'm doing daily, which I shouldn't be doing daily? Are the things that I'm doing daily, which is wasting my time? are Are the things I'm doing daily, which I could be doing better Okay, are there things that I'm not doing daily that I should be doing daily? Okay, and I, I do that on a fairly regular basis. I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I know that I'm not. That's why I evaluate myself. That's why I'm looking for areas that I can actually improve myself. And I would suggest that you do the very same thing. Because stewardship, what we're given by God, whether it be you know, financially, whether it be in uh, worldly wealth, whether it be in your physical abilities, your talents, your time, whatever it is that God gives to us. You know, my personal opinion is we should treasure it we should really treat it well because God doesn't have to give it to us okay God gives it to us because he wants to because he's a generous God because he's a giver and he wants to reward us but I want to be able to look him in the eye because we're all going to be judged okay we're all going to be judged on the works that we've done on the good things that we've done our whole lives we're going to have in our palms of our hands and God everything that isn't for God's good for, for the glory of the kingdom is just going to burn away I want to have something left in my hand. I want to be able to say to God, this is, what's, this is what I've done. I want him to be able to look at me and say, my good and faithful servant. Okay? And we should all want that and we should all desire that. Okay? And it's all about, it starts today with being a good steward. Amen. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. 
We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.